0: And welcome to another edition of Football Bloody How. On the show tonight, we've got Mr. Sarcastic himself, Ricky Hyatt. Dave Hilda Pryor. Adam Davis. I shall contribute my six penneth. And our special guest, direct from Prague in the Czech Republic, it's Mr. Kim Grant. So, settle down, have a cup of coffee, and hopefully a little bit of football banter. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. Now, then, our guests tonight are Adam Davis from, he's actually talking to us from York. Evening, Adam. Evening, everyone. Got all the financial figures handy, I trust? When don't I? Well, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And then uh, the king of sarcasm, Ricky Hyatt, is here. And then um, finally, uh, we have a gentleman who was born in Secundi Takaradi. Is that right? Secundi Takaradi. Okay. Uh, And uh, he's played for such noticeable teams as Charlton Athletic, Luton, Millwall, Notts County... Uh, and then Sarawak FA Shonen Bellmare, uh, Berryman. All right, uh, what's this other one? uh, Sen Gang, they're now called Hound Gang. Anyway, I'll put you out of your misery. It's Kim Grant, <laughs> former Yeovil uh, striker, who was with us quite a few years ago. Now, there wasn't it, Kim? When I was, well, no, let's have a look. it was, 19, I, think 2001, was I think. Yeah, two
1: thousand and one to
0: 2003, nice. 33 appearances, six goals. It says uh, here. In, in, is that right? Right? I think that's pretty wrong. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, way
1: more than that, but um, you know, it's not a modern era where everything is statistics, so.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. But no, Kim, I can remember Kim in my days when I was at Yowell and uh, he was a, a, quite a lethal striker in his moments, didn't you?
1: I mean, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah well, I was able to run, but, um, ah. but oh, yeah, I did. I think I did create it more than I actually scored, but
0: um, oh, well, yeah. that's it's a as, pass. That's as good as any. Now, Hilda has joined us. Good hey, gentlemen. Ah, at last. How are you?
2: I am very well, thank you. Uh, I do apologise. I don't know if the two are connected or not, but around about five to six, um, my son had a code brown, shall we call it, and oh, then all the Wi-Fi went down, so oh. I don't know if they're both connected or
0: not. Oh, sounds like <laughs> it. Sounds suspiciously <laughs> like it. But there we go. Um, Kim, say hello to Hilda. Hilda, Kim. Hello, Dave, how
2: are you doing? Hi, Kim. All right. Yeah, yeah good. Thank you, to mate. you. And you.
0: Thank you. Right. Well, we've only just sort of started by going through a couple of Kim's uh, former teams and odds and sods like that. So, if you want to take over, young man, you're more than welcome. Age, age. Before,
3: before Dave does, could you go through those teams again, please?
0: No.
1: <laughs> Thank Lord for that. <laughs> there should be 18 clubs, I think. I believe. I
0: managed is here. one for you. A- AFC Wimbledon player manager. So... Yep. Yeah. Gravesend and I can do those. Yeovil Chan, Scunthorpe United. Yeah. KFC Lommel.
1: Yeah, that's what now. Owners of uh,
0: from Man City. Yeah. FC Marco. Yeah, Portugal Second Division. But I'm not going to go through the rest because I can't pronounce them. So.
2: I was going to say, are we doing all 18 now?
0: (laughs) No, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. Over to you, Hilda. Over to you.
2: Yeah, thank you, mate. Yeah, sorry about um, the late delay. But obviously from a Yeovil perspective um, pre-season's finished it's all it's all dealt with um, at the weekend though we'll just go into it a little bit um, Adam I'll start with you if I may because it was a 1-1 draw and as we've spoken about we've had Mr Hellier and Mr Staunton on the podcast over the last two uh, couple of weeks and They've said, as you would expect, that obviously it's not really about the results at this stage, although what you would normally find is a good result goes hand in hand with a good performance. But the biggest talking point is the fact that there was a red card in there and there seemed to be a little bit of a kerfuffle. Uh, Mark Cooper wasn't very happy with it at all. Adam, I don't know if you caught any of this, but what is your thoughts, generally speaking anyway, about sendings off in in friendly matches particularly the one right before the start of the season
4: i think so i I did do a little bit of um i saw the match reports and things and and it seemed like morgan williams was very much caught as i don't know disciplined for what was a much larger issue of many many people in a scuffle my understanding wasn't it wasn't even him in the challenge um i can't remember exactly who it was point was he seemed to have done something that the referee found egregious and sent him off uh, and everyone was rather annoyed with it. I think um there seems to be a lot of discussion around this particularly this pre-season more than most I've noticed on the idea of bookings in pre-season friendly should they happen should they not. If it's a bad challenge it's a bad challenge um, and and it should be I think treated in as, in as many in the same contempt as any other match because for me, pre season uh, friendlies are for match conditioning. And that includes making sure that you don't go into challenges that you aren't prepared for. Morgan Williams' one seemed a little bit different, given that that was very much a more of an off the ball incident. And it sounded like the referee was quite happy to blow up for an awful lot of things across the game, whether it spoilt it or whatever works like that. I don't necessarily. Um, I didn't watch enough of it or listen to enough of it to to really make that comment, but um, no, I, th- I think cards like that are, are necessary to basically avoid problems like this going into
0: the season. Wasn't wasn't the problem though that the referee apparently told, um, I presume, be the two managers that you know if there's any anything sort of getting a little bit iffy like that, that he would give them tip them the wink beforehand so they could pull the player off, but. In actual fact, he came straight out with a red card and that was it. You ever, Do you ever get any interest in uh, pre-season games, Kim? Um, yeah,
1: you do. Obviously, you, it's, it's a moment where everybody's trying to you know, prep for the new season. Um, a bit of anxiety between players if they're going to start for the first game of the season. A bit of protection of the players as well in terms of you don't want to get injured. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a crucial period. Um, normally... I don't know how many games friendlies have Yogu had since um, the preseason started.
2: Uh, so is it was it seven altogether?
1: Seven, yeah. Usually, you probably need about 14 friendlies to actually really get up to speed in terms of match fitness. Um, and even when you start the first game of the season, as an ex-player myself, um, you still your legs are still heavy. You're still recovering from preseason or the heavy training or the loads on the legs, etc. So yeah, for the, for them, obviously I've followed it a little bit. Uh, I don't know what the results were. Was it yesterday? Did you say I didn't follow yesterday? It, but... it was Saturday and it
0: was one one. Right, yeah.
1: So again, you know, every, there's a there's been a takeover, there's been a um, lots of new news coming through, etc., new players coming through. Um so the big anxiety with the T players as well. So regards to red cards, I obviously I'm not there, so I don't know exactly what's happening there. So maybe there's a little bit of precious. Pressure in terms of the, the new season starts next week. Is it next week or following week? I'm sure. Yeah, next week. Yeah, well, next,
0: week, next week. Next um, week. Yeah. So, like you've
2: you've just touched on aid.
0: Um, it,
2: yeah, it might be that beforehand there's possibly like a little bit of discretion in there or, or something like. Beforehand, to say that you know, if there's likely to be a blow up of any kind and there's the sort of an agreement in place, particularly with it being friendly, that you just calmly take one of them off for, or something like that. But then I guess it just depends on how bad the incident is that the referee thought he saw, Rick. Yeah, what is it? Was it a straight red or is
0: it too? Yeah, I think I it was
1: a straight so. red. Is
2: that,
0: yeah. is that correct? I think so. Hmm.
3: But doesn't that seem like that's exactly the sort of situation that if he's pre-warned the managers that he's going to defuse things and not go to it, that that's something that he would have allowed them to to deal with? It seems a bit um, random that he should he should pick out and by all accounts pick the wrong player and whatever, but not even for a for an incident that had an awful lot to do with the game. So it, it just seems a bit silly and a bit unnecessary. But we were we were saying we did the the Newport game last Tuesday and there was a. Newport. I think there was one booking in the game, and it came a Newport player in the in the second half. So yeah, there are allowances made, obviously, at this this stage of the season. But then, not making stupid challenges, you really need to practice that as much as anything else, don't you? It's like the defensive side of the game. Preseason friendlies aren't all about scoring goals; they're about recreating match situations. So it does seem it does seem something that was avoidable. Anyway, put it that way. Well, that's a very apparently, good point. There was there was a,
0: a twenty two man uh, brawl. Sorry, Dave. There was a twenty two oh, man brawl. Apparently, that's crazy. Before the so, uh, that,
3: so that you can you can identify which one individual out of the twenty two man brawl you want to sort out. That
0: of course, probably probably can. Why Cooper was
2: annoyed, to be honest, that one yeah. person was was I would picked have, out. I would imagine.
3: A, so, if there's that many players involved, you just you have a word with the managers, tell them all not to be naughty boys, and start again. That you, you don't just
1: pick on one player. But again, also that comes down to you know precious you know the new players coming in you know everybody wants to perform to the maximum um getting the starting line up for next week um i don't, I don't know like i said, I don't know exactly what happened, but a twenty two man brawl before a leagues before the league starts it's it's a bit crazy um,
3: but then to, to pick on isolate one
1: player out of that
3: seems a bit um a bit unnecessary really I would have thought just going by the sounds of it. Considering he's had a tough week because he scored against you brought out of his goal scratch stop in the ground. Although uh my erstwhile colleague, Mr. Pryor, called it right on commentary.
2: Yes. Um if the listeners are just wondering what Rick's referring to there, that was um, when we were doing the commentary on Tuesday, that I was convinced that Morgan Williams had scored and then doubted myself because the stadium announcer gave it to Bell and then I decided to track back a little bit and then it turned out I was proved right, so I should have stuck with, my, stuck with my instincts and always backed myself, definitely. Um, in terms of what Rick was just saying about those, um, all those kind of likely match elements that you would want, you know, um, Kim, I'll come to you, because even though Mark Cooper wouldn't obviously wanted one of his key players to be sent off in the last friendly of the season, but it does create a little bit of a match situation that you might find yourselves in as the season progresses. So maybe playing... A friendly for a while with 10 men isn't always a bad a bad thing either on the flip side
1: um it, well obviously you want to start a season with your with a, your first i'm trying to of, think uh, of a
2: positive Kim.
1: <laughs> I, i'm trying to, i'm trying to find a way because obviously both managers should have diffused that situation pretty quickly i'm not sure what exactly what the referee's decision was on that as well because obviously I w- i'm not there so i can't but as a manager um you would look at the whole perspective of i've lost my main striker or one of my potential new starting lineup players um how you you, you deal with it it's again that like you got a strong squad if he's got a strong squad then he has to manage that but it's it's a really touchy one because obviously you, we're not hours in there and um, it's a difficult one to assess what's what type of the environment is within a club itself as well
3: would he get, he we, wouldn't get we,
1: suspended for that, would he, Kim?
3: That's what I was just going to say. Um, if, you,
1: if it's a straight red, he will get a three-match ban, I believe. What Even in a friendly? Be, yeah, I believe so. If it's a straight red. Hmm. He'd, be, he'd be very lucky to get one match ban. It depends if the rules have been changed for friendlies. Hmm.
0: Adam, you have any ideas you- on that one? I have absolutely no idea at all. I think well, you'll definitely get terrible.
1: some form of, some form of suspension you'll be very lucky to get away with it um uh, most likely one one match banned as is a friendly and a new season starting but I doubt it if I think if it's going it's an official match an uh, official friendly, then it'd definitely be a suspension
3: well that would be why Mark people was so annoyed there, not necessarily yeah. because he's got back
1: on. so yeah. you miss it's you'll probably the miss the first three games of the season
3: Yeah. Ben Morgan's been starting every a lot of the uh preseason games, so
1: you'd imagine that he would be in the starting lineup at the start of the season. So he's one of the ones that you don't want to lose. Really, has he got? A, he's got a pretty big squad now, or is it? Uh, obviously, I'm not following in terms of what he's starting. <laughs> he's getting there, isn't he? He's certainly got numbers in. It's an awful
3: lot looking, an awful lot healthier than it was last season.
1: And he's got yeah. numbers
2: in, depth in terms of strikers. Oh, yeah, very much so at the moment. Um, It's funny, Kim, because we kind of went through a spell where um, the one thing that we were crying out for was a striker. And then after a good bit of business over the summer, suddenly we look a little bit top-heavy in that department. And we've let um, one of them go on loan, Malachi Linton, to Taunton Town. And we had the chairman on last week. And he did say that one of the main priorities now is, is trying to thin the squad rather than yeah. obviously add to it, which is probably the best position, the best case scenario that you'd want to be in going into the season, where you're happy with what you got and it's just about fine tuning it in terms of trimming it down.
1: Yeah, the, 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 there's two sides to this now in terms of positive and negative. The negative, obviously, Mark in his head, if he's if he's going that's going to be his main striker, he's going to lose it for three games. The positive, uh, the the that's the negative side. The positive side is. Someone who's thinking that he may not be starting will actually start. And if he starts and starts scoring goals and the guy, uh, his main strike comes back, he's going to be sitting on the bench. So it gives the opportunity for somebody else to start um, and push for a starting place. And that's, that's something that, you know, friendlies and injuries, etc. can happen in any time. There you know, suspensions.
0: There's 24 players on the, on the website. I just counted them. So that's not a bad squad, is it? Twenty. At the website up to date. <laughs> well, yeah. I
2: did think... you count them one by one then?
3: <laughs> well, you don't need to. Did you not? Did you not see his lips move?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Obviously, the the season is on the horizon. Then uh, on Saturday, Hemel Hempstead away first up um, for Yeovil. Adam, it was touched upon on the the podcast last um, week. You boys did talk about. Um, the bookies' favourites, because the bookies are to be believed and it is a straight fight between Yeovil and and Torquay United. But then looking at the size and statures of the clubs, that's probably what you would expect at this stage before a ball's been kicked.
4: Oh, 100%. I think uh, as much as the bookies are very rarely wrong, uh, they don't often give much interest at this level of football, unfortunately. We have now reached that part of football where... They keep an eye on it because they feel they have to and they probably get some... Uh,
2: they effort. potentially picked the size of the clubs and gone, yeah, they'll be, yeah.
4: There might be a little Top. bit more to it, but I don't think there'll be too much more than that, unfortunately. <sighs> uh, I don't know too much about the actual, um, you know, other clubs that are in the si- uh, in the league, but the likes of Worthing and Farnborough seem to have spent quite a bit of money as well. So I don't think it's necessarily as much of a foregone conclusion. That being said, um, what I do, what I have done uh, when working in the National League South, which I have done a little bit of, um, Hemel Hempstead Town are a significantly weaker squad than Yeovil, at least on paper, and therefore I'm still feeling pretty confident going. Into Fifteen
2: last season, I think, Adam, So definitely one like you would expect to um, to be one that you would expect Yeovil to to get three points from at any other given time.
4: I, th- I think we have to be we have to be ambitious even if that sometimes will come with inevitable disappointment. Um, I, th- I think this is still one of those that we have to treat as not... I don't think we can expect a win in anything. Um, that's that's football pretty much down to the ground, but certainly life as a Yeovil fan is never expect anything to be straightforward. <laughs> um, and therefore, yeah, but three points would, would nicely cap off what has been an overall quite exciting few months at Hewish
1: Park. I think Worthing are going to be a tough team. I know they've been investing in in a lot in the whole structure in the club, and they progress really, really slowly and nicely. Um, because I'm from Sussex myself, so I know that club really well. And they've got you know money to invest, and they'll be, they were pushing a little bit last year, but I think they're going to kick on this year as well. So that that will be going to be a tough.
2: Is there thing. more money at this level, Kim, than maybe? Any sort of Yeovil fans that are coming into this division, you know, it's a lot of them, not, not, not not used to this division. Is there, a, a, are we going to find ourselves
1: surprised
2: at just how well run some of these clubs are financially?
1: Yeah, majority of them have got a lot of money. Um, and that's through the local businesses as well. And they want to go up as high as possible. Maeston United got money. Um, St Albans, I'm not too sure. I think they used to have money, but I, I'm not sure what's happened to them.
2: But they they are in the playoffs last season, I think. Yeah. Is that what you saying?
1: Yeah. Uh, Chelmsford also will have money. Uh, that's for sure. Because uh, I remember when I was at uh, uh, Woking, they had loads of money, you know, from the east side of uh, London. And then you got, as I mentioned, uh, Worthing, uh, Braintree, again, uh, North London team, that will be, also have money. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure I think Western Supreme War always struggled with financially and they've just been doing through the academies etc um, and maybe I don't know AD you might know a bit more about having a Waterloo they might have some money they used to have money but I don't know what's happened to them now I think
0: they're I think a, what's, a fairly what is, affluent part of the country
1: that's for certain yeah, but most of the London teams uh, peripheral London teams have all got money so and they're probably well structured and well run clubs because they used to play in the uh, National League I think
4: I think what's obvious is this is a very very different uh, non-league to what Yeovil left 20 years ago. That is, and I think unfortunately for many, most football fans, for obvious reasons, why would you necessarily pay attention to leagues you're not in, or at least not in any great depth. a lot has changed in the in the last 20 years. There,
1: yeah, is, a, definitely. there is a lot more money pumping around yeah. the system. Sports um, science as well, you know, infrastructure, training grounds. I think a lot of clubs now are more up to date with in terms of facilities. Uh, players are more actually, uh, more look after themselves better. And I think that because everybody wants to go as high as possible. And I think um, uh, because of the sports science as well and fitness base nutrition, everything, all the players are really up to up to date with all this stuff. Well, there
3: seem to be more professional players at this level than there ever have been. This not the old oh, story yeah. of the mechanic and the teacher and whatever. Going
1: that out that, that, that whatever. boils down to you know players being filtered down, can't get a club. And yeah. obviously there's more players now than there is clubs. And it's always going to be. And that's why there is money down in this level as well. Because it prepared. some players, I know some players earn £2,000 a week you know, for this level. Plus, they got parts, they got a job as well. So there's a lot of money.
0: Kim, did you, find, <laughs> did you ever find, did you ever find when you played in friendly games that, you know, certainties, cause the reason I ask is I was talking to your old gaffer, Gary Johnson recently, and he said to me, you know, what, what friendly games you got? So I told him, he's war. he says, you're going to get a few injuries with that lot. He said, they'll be out to, you know, clog you out of the game sort of thing because of the fact that we're the big, big sort of uh, you know professional club that's on its way down did you ever find that yeah definitely obviously you always become like a
1: trophy for the when you especially when you get relegated and you you become like as the size of yoga going down to that level um you become a trophy for them so everything you do they will step up the game 100 percent. you know they'll be committed to every tackle every header. Because they don't want to lose you. They want to prove that you've come to our level. Mm. We're gonna, you're, gonna, you're not going to go up. You know. As, as you know, Torquay went down and they've struggled to come up. It, it's, it's something that, and I'm sure Gary is not, you know, he's an ex- experienced coach and he understands that. You know? So yeah. it's going to be a tough league. Don't think you're going to walk it uh, for sure. And I think you, you, uh, the fans, the club itself need to be happy, open-minded about it.
0: And I suppose what happened at um, Plymouth Parkway on Saturday kind of uh, highlights that, you know, a 22-man brawl or sort of thing. It's um, it sort of highlights the fact that they're out, they're out to get us, so to speak.
1: Get that 100, 100. And it will be in their in your faces. All the players face all the time, mm. and that's, that's that's the level where you're going to be at physically.
2: It's good we're at a point now, Wade, as well, is that with all the um, the changes and everything that have happened um, with the Oval over the summer, that we're now in a point where we can start to talk about the on the pitch stuff, the the real stuff, if you like, and and hopefully that is what will bring more of a positive impact over the next couple of weeks and months, where the will find themselves at the at least towards the topper end of the of, of the table
0: yeah and i you know i think the problem is, is there's been so much speculation and you know we've been playing in these games and new players have been coming in and everybody's been getting excited about some of the new players they obviously oh, we've obviously uh, won the test match i right from that rick
3: possibly yeah
0: <laughs> um where was i yeah so uh, you know naturally there's a lot of anticipation and uh, you know in the over player a oval fan anywhere in the country i'm sure that can't can't wait for Saturday to see what's going to happen. I don't think
1: it's going to be all doom and gloom, even if you lost the first game. I think it's just about, um, I'm sure Mark, Mark is experienced enough to know that, you know, even if, of course, you always want to have a, the first win of the season just to give that confidence and that that boost to the fans as well that, you know, the club is in the right direction. Um, but I think it's, we won't be, I think a draw will be good for you guys. Obviously, a win will be perfect. But if you if you lost that game, and then it's not doom and gloom. So he got loads of games to cash up, and it will take time for the the new players to gel and bed together. At least, at least six games, you know. And- it's
2: probably worth mentioning as well that at the moment, particularly being at the start, Mark probably won't be. Too concerned about the performances at the moment, Willie, if we just get off to a good start results wise. And then hopefully, as the season progresses, the team will then gel that little bit better. And then hopefully, you would expect that to then obviously spiral on as the season goes
1: on. 100% agree with you. And obviously, uh, winning matches breeds confidence. And I think even it doesn't much if he wins at 1 0, it doesn't matter. You know, that Just get those three points on the board, build that confidence up, and get our team uh, bonding and, you know, I don't know what type of philosophy he plays, whatever you, you know, is it attack minded or is he a defensive minded coach? I'm not sure about him, but obviously winning a game is most important, not about tactics. Um obviously you have a game plan, and I'm sure he's watched a lot of videos of uh, Hemel Hempstead's matches, previous matches. And um hopefully that he'll come out with a few points and breed that confidence in the team.
0: You ever Kim come Mera? across him, Kim?
1: Yeah, we well, was a catcher in town. Yeah, and that time I was working manager, so um, he beat me one nil. I was well pissed off, but <laughs> so I was all right, fair enough, <laughs> <Yeah>? fair <laughs> enough, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I, uh, obviously, I managed against work, I was, I was working at that time, and uh, we actually batted him football wise, and then they scored the last minute. We, we were away in Kent at Kettering. And uh, last minute, they scored it, uh, you know, from a free kick or a corner, a set piece, it, if I can recall. And that's it. So we lost one now. Oh well, <laughs> that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Be-
2: before we before we do move on from the, from the oval chat, Kim. Obviously, with your affiliation with with the club amongst the seventeen other clubs that you've just mentioned, <laughs> um, do you keep an eye on um, on your Oval Town or what what's been happening, particularly in the last couple of years or so?
1: Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I was. Keep the the teams that obviously I have a good affiliation with. Uh, obviously, when the team w- we got promoted, you, you must know. have a lot of time on your hands
2: to keep an eye on all your previous clubs. No, I'm a football <laughs> person, so I have
1: to I have to keep I have to know what's going on. And uh, obviously, close to my heart is Charlton because I came through the academy since I was like 15 years old, and so I I left there at 24. Then obviously, three years. Obviously, Luton has gone to the Premier League now, so again. I was three years at Lutin and then obviously it was uh, with uh, Jovo for two years. Two successful years, if I admit. Um, we won, we finished second to in the first year. I can't remember who it was. Um, uh, Russian and Diamonds. Yeah. And we won the Faye Trophy. And then the second year we got, we got to the f- final, I think. We won the league and then obviously I left after we won the league because... Uh, Times changed in terms of my age, etc. cetera. And Gary wanted, you know, we re- refreshed the squad with young players. And uh, we had a great core of t- uh, players at that time. A blend of experience and uh, youth as well. And we played dynamic attacking football, which was really impressive.
2: Was it one of your most... Um... Happiest times of your career? Obviously, like you said, you enjoyed some success, obviously, with your couple of seasons. Yeah, I think
1: it it was a fantastic experience for me. Um, I learned a lot from Gary, to be honest with you, in terms of going into coaching, uh, in terms of what he wanted, uh, what type of players he wanted to fit into his philosophy, the way with game play. And obviously, I was one of the senior players with me, Carl Offord, uh, Demba, and then you had the youthful Garroway and he's uh, his son. And um, plus, obviously, uh, what's the Scottish boy? Uh, uh,
0: Mackendo. Was it Makeda? That's it, Mac and obviously
1: uh, Chris Willing goal. Yeah. Uh, Terry at the back. And, uh, you know, so we had a, and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Plucky as well. So we had a very, very young squad, but one or two experienced guys in there just to you know, keeping level heavy. But everybody was very ambitious. Yeah, so I would say it was one of my enjoyable moments of football, obviously leaving the club was sad, but, you know, football move, the clubs moves on and we move on as, a, as players as well.
2: Well, talking of moving on, um Adam, I'm going to bring you in because we didn't get a chance to speak about it last time, mm-hmm. I don't think. But um if you don't mind, I, I just wanted to allude to the fact that you've been published again, young man, yeah. I believe another article in the name of Adam Davis um, is out there for the for the world um, to view and read up on. So uh, congratulations gotcha. again, sir. And did you want to just sort of um, just give the listeners a, the option of of finding that out on what they can expect to give see from your on.
4: second article? Oh, go on then. You, you've convinced me, Dave. Um, so uh, after off the back of my... Uh, request from BBC which was quite nice I got called up by the Yorkshire Evening Post looking for a football finance expert and I quote all of the others are on holiday are you available <laughs> that was no joke email sent to me uh, and I said um, well I'm not on holiday so yes I am available um, and unfortunately much to Rick's delight it was another media appearance talking about Leeds United and it's um it was an interesting one well, basically talking about our Leeds United uh, concerned about FFP and I said yes they should be because that's always the case uh, and the FFP is I seem to talk far too much about it, but it's been going very well. Basically, talking about um, they've had a lot of players leave following relegation, which we've seen a lot of, of at Leicester and at Southampton as well. But as opposed to what we're seeing at Leicester, where we were seeing large fees go for Harvey Barnes and James Madison, they were curious about why they're all going out on loan, um, and it's it's really interesting. Uh, discussion with within the article i find but it's also a really interesting one to be how do i tell the yorkshire evening post Leeds leading local newspaper that the reason the Leeds players aren't leaving for fees is because they're not worth anything and it's a really difficult one but i think i managed to find a way and i'll leave the listeners to to go into it in a great detail to see whether um My assessment of the players is correct, but there's a lot of concern around the fact that they paid best part of £120 million over the last two years on various different players, of which many of them haven't really worked out. And so much so, a lot of them have gone out on loan this season so that they can shift the wage bill off of Leeds's, and then often dotted around Europe. So there's quite a few that have gone to Germany and a few to Italy. I would have done it. I could have found a way of telling them that. Yes, but I had to, to say it without swearing and with a bit of grace and decorum, which wasn't necessarily guaranteed with you, Rick. Not to mention sarcasm.
3: <laughs> if there were restrictions, then obviously I would have failed, clearly. Yes, at the moment, as far, as we're, part aware, part as,
2: part far part as we're aware, as far as we're aware, Adam, part. Rick is still able to go out for a pint in Leeds. I don't know if you'll be able to at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Overall, so uh, overall
4: social media reaction has been largely good. Um, and I say largely... Um, because it's not been all good. Uh, It turns out saying that Leeds aren't the the bastion of perfect financial management and the greatest club the world has ever seen sometimes doesn't go down very well with Leeds United. Two points about that. Two
3: points about that last statement is the fact that, one, how many people in Leeds can actually read? And the other thing is um, we all know that FFP is very important to every club in the country except one.
4: Well, apart from the Fat Man United, have been done for it as well. But should we brush over that as well?
3: Well, they paid their fine. So they're, they're oh, clear, no. man. They've paid their fine. They've taken the punishment. They're not deferring it for year after year after year, hoping it goes away. Move on. Did you- on. <laughs> well, Adam, I did can't you, move um, on just you- yet
2: because because I literally just said 30 seconds ago that Rick can still go for a pint in Leeds United when they can't <laughs> now. <laughs>
0: Adam, you did you I don't mention that. how much so money was it. set aside for Tropical Fish?
2: Me? None.
4: None? None. Not yet, oh. annoyingly. Um, so, no, none at all, unfortunately. It, it, the, the quest for getting my name out beyond local Somerset Radio continues.
2: Well, we're going to have to talk about um, all the transfer gossip, etc., that has been happening, because some of the stories are potting up even today as we speak and if the listeners are thinking oh, this podcast they do talk a lot about the same transfer stories but that's the issue of what happens obviously over the summer where some of these deals have been dragging on for so long that we then have to talk about them because there's a different update every time that we seem to come on air and that's no different to today because I'm sure you might have seen that it looks like that um the the owners of of Bayern Munich are going to meet up with Daniel Levy to finally thrash out um, a deal to try and convince Harry Kane to go to Germany. It looks like that we're getting ever so close now into reaching a resolution. Um, AD, the reports today are that Bayern are prepared to smash their transfer uh, record in order to get the deal done. Do you think this is more and more likely now that we'll be seeing Harry Kane playing in the Bundesliga next season?
0: Well, probably yes, um, because as you rightly say, I mean, there's an awful lot of um, mutterings in the press review today. But having said that, I'm a little bit puzzled to see that United are still getting kind of mentioned um, in, in the discussion about Harry Kane when having just spent this 60 odd grand on this uh, this guy from um probably
3: probably closer close to the 60 million isn't
0: it C- eh? yeah 60 million yeah what did i say 60 grand yeah, yeah. well you could try let's not <laughs> let's not split hairs um <laughs> I, uh, I just wondered how how united are getting over the the fair play um restrictions because they've spent what was it 120 odd million on on mason mount and um onana or whatever his name is um mm-hmm. you know how how do they get over that problem because this one was 60 or 70 grand so that's i thought they only had a hundred on a million so very very short version
4: um because as always it's football finance and therefore i could talk for hours and um, so the way uh it's accounted for an ffp and the way you so uh financial and sustainability Uh, is all to do with how much you lose over a given period when you buy a player and you do the transfer fee you don't pay all of the money all in one go and therefore you aren't losing all the money that you spend on a transfer fee all in one season what it is is it's split across the length of the contract so 120 million pound spread over three years is actually only £40 million from an accountancy point of view for uh, for Manchester United. Now, whether they've paid all that money up front or anything like that, that's a different matter, but it's known as the wonders of amortisation. It's why Chelsea were able to spend as much as they have done over the last 18 months and split it over a very, very long period of time. Um, so Woodrick's on an eight-year deal, for example. I think uh, Nani Maduke is as well. So, so that's how they largely get round of it. Basically, you're not really disclosing all of your losses all at the same time.
3: Aren't Chelsea going to get caught up in that, Adam? Because they've suddenly introduced these eight-year contracts rather than a standard five-year contract that things always used to be. It's like a bit of a loophole, isn't it? So
4: that's exactly what it is. It's a loophole. They, As much as Chelsea have got lots of flaws at various uh, various levels, um, they didn't actually do anything wrong when they gave Mudrick an eight-year deal. What they have now done is that UEFA and the Premier League have gone... No, I don't like the look of that. That looks that looks shady. Um we will we will cap it at five years. So I think that started from this summer. So we're unlikely to see deals any longer than that. Well, I don't think we can at all. Um what I've always found quite interesting about it is the fact that we've all gone that's not how things are done or the idea of five-year contracts was well, not that long ago that we were thinking it would be rare, rare to give anyone anything longer than three-year deal for example or anything like that you've also got to remember that Bowley is from baseball land which is more uh, it's very very common in American sports particularly in the NFL and the MLB uh, to give your star players very very long contracts with very large deals so the idea of giving a professional sportsman an eight-year deal to a lot of americans actually not
0: that rare adam you mentioned the money going out um but what about the money coming in doesn't that affect it because i see they've signed up a a 900 million pound deal with adidas today
4: they certainly have and that will have done wonders for their ffp calculations so uh this is another current Not loophole, but more of a state of the football finance world, as much as you can split a transfer fee over several years, when you pay for a player, you can get all the profit from selling the player all in one year. And this is another reason why Chelsea haven't been done for FFP in the same way they have, is that they are very, very good at selling their players. So every year they make more money from transfer fees than any other club in Europe. So they're very, very effective at that. And all of that money comes all in one year. It can nicely uh, set up a transfer for you. So although Man United aren't particularly good Uh, when it comes to selling players, at least not consistently over the last couple of years. Very rarely do you see a player leave Man United for more money than what they were bought for. Um, That's not necessarily a bad thing either. Man United is probably one of about 11 clubs uh, in Europe and the world, really, where people would consider consider that being like, this is the pinnacle of my career and this is where I'm aiming for uh, as the absolute top. And there isn't really much room to go beyond that. And therefore, those players come in for large fees and then will inevitably leave when they've been there for four or five years and will move on because they're not good enough, rather than they think that they should be going somewhere else to better their career. So, yes, all the profit from these player sales goes into the FFP calculations immediately.
2: So linking it back to Kane, then with the the story that's broke today, um. Kim, I'll come to you. I don't know if you've been following this over the last sort of, well, since the summer began, really. I think everyone was more of the opinion that he's unlikely to leave, whether it be he wants to stay in England or, you know, and see out his contract and then leave and go to uh, an English club next year. But suddenly this Bayern Munich story seems to have come out of nowhere, really. And then in the last couple of weeks, it seemed to have really started to roll on. And it looks like that if they can agree a deal that Kane might well be going to Germany. What do you make of it?
1: Oh, I'm actually surprised that he will leave UK. Um, obviously, he's 30 years old. He's coming to the end of his you know, prime. Um, and obviously, Livy doesn't want him to be selling to a Premier League club. And that's more or less the reason why he's trying to maybe push that deal across to Bayern Munich. Um, Whenever you do well in in the Bundesliga, that's another story because it's a different Type of league I I was with uh, Stuttgart Kickers as well as um, uh, Union Berlin uh, in, during my time as well. Um, although I didn't sign for them, and I know that league is very very demanding and very physical. So I don't know whether you know you saw yourself how Mane struggled over there as well. Obviously, it didn't help with the uh, the prolonged issues he had with his teammates, but. I think he was struggling in Bundesliga and he won't be as effective as he has been at Tottenham. Uh, as I say, the grass is not green on the other side. Whether it's the deal is going to happen, it will be down to finances. And I will not be surprised if a team from Saudi Arabia comes in as well. Uh, so that's something that um, I, I obviously find it very hard that he would want to go to Germany at, at, at this stage of his career. So where
0: does that leave Man
1: what United? What do you then? think will happen? Well, then obviously, obviously there is either City will come in or somebody else will come in, maybe Manu, a last-minute bid. Uh, but I, I honestly don't know. I, it's it's a really really tricky one because there's lots of negotiations um, will be going on behind the scenes, uh, contracts issues etc. etc. Uh, but for sure, Levy doesn't want to sell him to another Premier League club. And that, that's that's that what boils down to. And I'm sure Kane wants to stay in UK, but I think he'll be pushed out, and he'll have to accept it.
0: Well, you're a striker, Kim. Um, what about Son? I mean, you know the, the the link up between Son and Harry Kane has been phenomenal over the years. Suddenly, um, Son's not around. Is that <laughs> going to make a big difference? Especially if he's in a different league?
1: I actually, I think Son has actually made Harry Kane. I think Son is absolutely fabulous player, and I'm really surprised nobody's actually broken the bank for him. Um, obviously, he's in his 30s now. Um, again, some of the top of the players are over the coming to over the hill now. Come come to the end of their prime, so they they're coming down in terms of their peak uh, ability, and it'll be a big loss for obviously uh, that those two two players leaving the club, especially for Kane, because like you said, they were great. They had a great unique partnership understanding of their movements on and off the ball and it'll be interesting to see going forward Tottenham how they're going to line up and how pichettino is going to deal with it as well if harry kane leaves it's going to be a leave a big hole uh, especially for son as well so they will need he'll need to find a new like somebody to play off or work with well that's the other scenario as well isn't it that obviously if
2: they are thinking of, of doing the deal and, and accepting it. Sorry, I've been playing up Pochettino. I've forgotten
1: who said. Puccitino's
2: <laughs> now. I think, you no, know, somebody's not Tommy's <laughs> talking about of I thought he's gone to top Yeah, it.
1: Like... it.
2: Yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah. Close enough. We're not always that worried about the details on this podcast.
0: I wouldn't <laughs> worry, Kim. <laughs> just call him um, Ange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But um, Tottenham will obviously want to make sure that they've got enough time to obviously bring somebody in because, you know, you don't want to then leave it too late to the last minute. And then you're finding that you've got no time to really bring somebody else in. So I'm, it sure, be I'm sure already, that I'm sure they're
1: already, obviously I worked with West Brom for seven years when they were in the Premier League under various managers and there is a way of scouting players. And obviously, there is different tiers. If somebody's going to be leaving, we're already you know scouting and then re- looking for the replacements. And obviously, you, you have different categories in terms of the of the leagues across the Europe and UK. So, for example, the Premier League, the Bundesliga is Category A. And obviously, if we can't afford those players, we go down to the next category of the next, like France, the uh, French league. Italian league, and we look at that that price bracket. So we go, we we just go down step by step, so actually we can find a player a a a class players that can play in the Premier League. So that's how it works. So I'm sure they're already doing their recruitment process due diligence in terms of replacement, and obviously they make got to make profits of as well. You know, so they're all trying to. With that in somebody.
2: mind, Kim, would you have been told to take this cane, um cane example? Is it likely that? As the scouting team, you would have been told, look, we need you guys to have to identify someone because the likely scenario is that if we get this bid that accepts that's accepted on our evaluation, then we are going to say, yes, OK, our player can go and therefore we need somebody else in. Or are you literally just told only the moment that something's accepted? So it's kind of like, OK... We know that we need to. You're obviously scouting players all the time, anyway. But you've got a good idea, maybe weeks before anybody else. That a bit no, this would be this would
1: been be going on for at least two years. So they'll be looking for a replacement for him for at least two years. Uh, so it's not just that because they know that Harry of two years is like two three years ago. He's 27, 20 he's in his prime, and they know that there's been a few bids coming for him as well. So they know that at some point they're, we, they're going to lose him. But so they will be doing their due diligence of scouting players to replace him. And obviously don't forget, it's an aging squad. So they'll be looking for younger, dynamic um, potential uh, striker to replace. And hopefully that potential will, you know, as he progresses, the potential will come through and uh, by 100 percent they'll be doing that. We'll be not we, they will be doing their due diligence, (laughs) recruitment of players. Yeah, scouting players to make sure that um, they find the right replacement, as well as as well as for Song as well. And I won't be I won't be surprised if Song also leaves this 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 window or the following window.
2: Rick, I want to throw it to you because Andy mm-hmm. mentioned the point there about United yeah, still the rumours kind of possibly not not going away. But <laughs> as he's just touched on as well, the fact that this uh, Hoyland deal has now gone over the line, it's probably unlikely that there would be another big money striker, particularly someone like Kane coming in this summer, would you would you think that's probably the likely scenario, that it would just be him? Yeah,
3: it's pretty, pretty safe to say. Uh, the The main transfers have all been done. Anything that happens now is dependent on... Are you on, happy with that deal? Page. Yeah, very, very happy. I am, for once, there's only one appointment that United have made in recent years that has actually made sense, and that's Eric Ten Hag. So, if he's happy with the player and he's got the player he wants, then you you have to you have to go with it really and, and put some faith in uh, in him. So uh, there are players he's identified that he wants to move out, and um, he gets them out. I think there's one more position he wants another midfielder, a bit of backup, especially with Kobe Manu going down with an injury. So more of a squad player than anything else. So yeah, yeah. I would be very surprised if uh, United made anything towards Harry Kane, but I think even uh, I think Kim now could probably score goals at Bayern Munich. Yeah, if you're going to score goals anywhere, you're going to get the best opportunity it's, to
1: do it there. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it's a world class team and they've got world class yeah. players. Um, it's also, it also depends on what, what position he's going to play. Whether he's going to play as a play in the hole because obviously he's not dynamic as he used to be. Um, he's a very smart, clever, intelligent player. So you know, like he now not dropped. Not that, loss Kim.
2: A... I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Lewandowski was still hitting 25 goals a season at 36 when he left Bayern. Which yeah. means if Kate Kane's doing that at the same rate, then he could still get another 25 goals a season and for the next six it's... seasons. So it still could not be a big move. I'm not move saying forward. that he
1: can't. I, I just feel like Lewandowski is a totally different type of player to Kane. Totally different type of player uh physical attributes etc uh it's like comparing uh aguero with uh the striker at um arsenal uh, the brazilian player oh jesus jesus you know it's it's but you know aguero hardly run anywhere but it's just totally technical aspects totally different and I, I hope he does well. If he does go, I hope he does well. You know, I'm not against him for you know going there. Obviously, financial rewards and as well as Levy doesn't want him there. Um, but they're, like, as as uh, Rick said, it, they are they are just totally different type of players. And that, of course, the you will score goals, no doubt about it, because obviously Bayern Munich always win the league. So it's something that um, and they're going through a bit of transition as well. That's that's something you got to. Recognize, you know, last year they struggled when the, they had a new coach coming in. What was his name? Um, Tuchel. Tuchel, yeah. You know, they Sorry struggled. Tickle. yeah. <laughs> so again, you know, if he's going to fit in, the language barrier, the culture, it's, it's, it's lots of factors. You know, Landowski has been there for many, many, many years, and he's and he knows the German uh, culture very well. So that's that's a factor. As an English person going to a different country, it's always going to be tough.
2: Before we leave that point, Adam, I just want to ask you about the position that Daniel Levy might find himself in, because I think the Tottenham fans have pretty much voiced their displeasure over the last um, sort of 18 months or so now about possibly it should be time for them to go as well um, and have a whole new kind of structure at at the top of the club. But it's interesting because I ask this question to you now because I wonder, just wonder if... They do sell Kane and then it works out and they can actually reinvest it into the squad, which they haven't done over the last few years because they've just been putting it off, putting it off and putting it off. There's potentially an argument to say, well, why didn't we just do this 18 months ago and try and get absolute maximum top dollar for him and actually try and filter it down to the squad, particularly with, say, how... Liverpool reinvested when they got a ridiculous amount for Coutinho and just said, "Well, we've got to accept that because we'd be stupid not to." But it can be done.
4: Oh, one hundred percent, it can be done because we've seen plenty of, uh, of versions where it has done. We've also seen plenty of examples where heavy reinvestment in a squad hasn't gone very well. Uh, the most notable example was Tottenham about ten years ago when they yeah, sold Bale to Real Madrid. It's um, there isn't a uh, it it's it, it, inappropriate to say there's a dangerous precedent when he's only maybe that's why he's want.
2: worried because he obviously would have been there then at that time as well
4: you're putting a lot of faith in a lot of other people uh, to all do their job absolutely spot on and hiring excellent players and um, when you sell a player for an awful lot of money it can sometimes actually make transfers even harder Um, It's something that I've often referred to as the Man United tax, but very much you could turn into the Premier League tax as well. Well, West Ham are suffering, aren't they, at the moment with exactly the same thing because they've got the Declan Rice money. Exactly. The the line being, we know you have the money, so give Mm -hmm. us some of that. And and what it will is it makes those negotiations just that split second harder, particularly for Tottenham, who are in desperate need of a striker, generally to sit side along, maybe either to sit alongside Harry Kane or to replace him, or at least to be his backup. It's that it's something that Tottenham have had a problem with for ages. If they know, it, well, the it clubs know that Tottenham need a striker, particularly if, obviously, if, if Harry Kane goes. So they're going to put an extra 10 15 million on, and this is something that Levy desperately dislikes generally. Most people, obviously, don't want to pay more than they want to, but Levy does seem particularly good at uh, sticking his heels in. So it, it could be really, really difficult, and... The other thing that I think still necessarily you can highlight maybe to Tottenham fans of going, well, why didn't we do this 18 months ago? Um, there's one overwhelming thing that overarches all of this and has defined Tottenham Hotspur probably for the last six to eight years. And that's the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That cost them an awful lot of money to build and they are still repaying for it now. They still have the largest uh, level of debt attached to a club of any club in the premier league even more than man united but that is solely because only just though in fairness but it has been because the tottenham hotspur stadium cost them just over one billion pound built um they've taken a lot of it off in interest payments a very very similar thing to about 15 years ago when people questioned why arsenal weren't spending the same way they did off the back of the emirates from a business perspective, it's inappropriate to be spending even more money on top of what you're doing to, to afford a very, very expensive stadium. The stadium will look after Tottenham in the long term, having a few more years of barren spell and maybe winning an FA Cup or something like that. I still err on the side of what Levy's choosing to do. I would keep uh, Kane at all costs. He probably provides more to Tottenham than The 100 million or whatever he's going to get in transfer fee, we've talked about this on the podcast numerous times of has he been priced out of the market? I think he still may end up doing so. Again, the other final piece on it is we talk a lot about the discussions between Bayern Munich and, and Tottenham. And when we say Tottenham, we need Levy. There are always three parties in a transfer of this nature. And the third one being Harry Kane and no one is actually really questioned whether he is that keen on leaving and kim's already highlighted it of the idea of perhaps there's a cultural barrier there's a, there's a language barrier to take a hold of there's a very looming very illustrious record that sits over his head that...
1: family as well you know family can play a big part as well so might not be happy
4: then. Well, exactly. And the family can go one of two ways, because one side, his family may be very happy to continue to live in London, as they always have done. The other part of his family is his brother, who happens to be his agent. So there's a few things to keep into uh, consideration there. It's something that will rumble on for a while. Do we see? I I was hoping,
2: I was hoping, Adam, that with this news today, that it would be wrapped up soon. So I don't have to keep asking you boys every
1: week.
2: (laughs) Why make it easy? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Isn't it it like it drag, it
1: will, I think it will drag on for a couple of weeks more they
2: don't I think, think was, of us do yeah. they they don't think of
1: us and going back to what you said Adam with regards to Arsenal that's why Arsenal was so brilliant at you know he he found quality young players to maintain sustain that even when they built the new stadium you know it's 17 years they're finishing the top four all the time you know and that generated the money to repay the, the, the stadium as well fair point point. and he, people didn't realise what great job he did until he left, and then you know, and Tottenham went unable to do that, and this is the problem.
0: Isn't it it's ironic Italy. that West Ham are left with a hundred and whatever it is, ten million for Declan Rice, and they put in a derisory offer for Harry Kane, and Man United turn around and say, "Oh no, 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 he's going to cost you an awful lot more than that." Kind of sort of twisting the Man United taxite angle back to the other way.
2: Was that Maguire? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's
0: likely to be. Yeah, the thing is, West
3: West Ham can't go any higher because they've got a budget for the player, which obviously uh, takes into account the ridiculous money that Ed Woodward signed Harry Maguire on. He's on 200 grand a week, so that's got to come into it. So, uh, United miss out on selling a player again, thanks to Ed Woodward. Well done, Edward.
0: He's a big fan of Ed Woodward, as you'll gather, uh, Kim is our (laughs) Rick done more damage to that football club than Rick, anybody what else.
2: Did, what, Rick, what do you think an acceptable bid would be? Or is that also part of the issue that is a bit I difficult think, you know, to United really know
3: what it would be? be. Well, United is supposed to be looking as, as far as the transfer fee goes of about 40, which would be half of what they paid for it, which is probably reasonable. He is a current England international. And uh, it's just it's just the wages. Would, it, would a loan
2: deal so suit it, all parties?
1: He is 30 years old now, so again, yeah. that's... Yeah.
2: I just wonder if a loan suits everybody, if they can help with pay some of the wages and not all of them and just get them off for 12 months.
3: Well, there was talk that the, probably the most significant figure in the whole potential deal might be Gareth Southgate, because if he says to Harry Maguire, you've got to be playing regular first-team football if you want to be in the Euro squad, and he's currently, what, fifth-choice centre-back at United, he's going to have to swallow it and, and take a take a wage... A wage cut, move somewhere where he can still be playing regularly every week in the Premier League. So that might be the one that, that
1: causes the move to happen. I think he'll probably go between twenty to thirty million. He's not, worth yeah, it. something like that. I, I, I think just, they just got to bite the bullet on it. That's it. But it also depends if the other team is able to afford his salary. That's that's another the question, and that will adds up to the the whole transfer side. Generally speaking,
2: Kim, is it? Expected of you as a player as you get older to start taking a reduce in, in your wages as as your career starts to get towards its its closure or not it, necessarily it, it's not
1: necessarily it also depends if you're in demand and that's that's something that you have to look at if obviously you're a high profile player and you're in demand and you're free transfer or you the club doesn't want you and uh, you still be performing um, constantly consistently. Then I think you can retain that high value of your salary. But I think if you feel like you're being pushed out, etc., and you're desperate, you're not happy there yourself, and also the club doesn't want you there, then I think you'd need to look at review your own personal values in terms of salary uh, if you want to keep playing. Because obviously, when you're 30, it's 132. You know, in the new generation of football now everybody wants young athletic players, you know, it's not so much about ability, just got to be an athlete now. That's, that's, obviously, you have a skill and ability to go with it. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, you would you have to look at reassess the value of yourself, uh, and then make sure that if it's the right move for you. And that's why you've seen players now going to Saudi Arabia, because it's the last, last ditch of Making financial well, we won't we won't mention
2: that on this podcast because we <laughs> just because we've we've done it we've done it over and over and,
1: again. Like we have Harry Kane in many ways,
2: we have only got a couple of minutes and left. I, so we're not. I gonna agree be able with to you on in. that,
1: but <laughs> it, it is uh, it will play a major factor. But I think if, I, I think it'll be a goodbye for West Ham. To be honest with you, if they get him for 20, 30 million. I think you do yeah. well. We, I,
2: we are dangerously running Ham. running close close to time now. I just wanted to get one very quick point in because Adam, the preseason friendlies recently have been absolutely crazy. We've seen uh, so many high scoring matches. Is this a sign of potential things to come or is it just a case of it? It's just a little bit of a one-off and it'll all die down again by the time the season starts. Have you noticed the same? I, I not, not massively, but it
4: doesn't really surprise me in, in, in a way because I'd love to be able to say, yes, there's a there's a particular cause or a particular trend. There are so many different factors that go into a pre-season friendly of whether they're playing... Can you, you they, wrap it up in 20 seconds, those well, factors? Are they playing with full-strength <laughs> squads? Are they playing with the same level of ambition? Uh, are they concerned about injuries? Basically, are they running at 100%? The answer is maybe, and that's what keeps it so interesting going into the season. Uh, you could always... Yes, always follow what pre-season says if you're winning and ignore pre-season if you're losing.
2: Pretty impressive, Adam, I would would say. So uh, I'll start with you, mate, in um, ending it there. So, Adam, thank you very much for joining us again this week. Much appreciated.
4: Thank you very much.
2: Rick, thank you very much as always.
3: Always a pleasure. Never a chore.
2: Kim, thank you very much for making your debut and hope to speak to you again soon, maybe. Yeah, absolute
1: pleasure, guys. Uh, great to see you all and uh, enjoy the cr- cricket. Rick, I see that some wickets have gone. AD, pleasure. And Dave and Adam, super. Thank you. Thanks, Kim. Uh, it's
2: a good good evening from myself, Dave Pryor, as AD Hopper,
1: do the bizo.
0: Well, all I can say is thank you for listening, folks, to Football Bloody Hell.